welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast, where we discuss an eclectic range of topics, including business, design, Texas culture, and everything in between. We're two teachers that turned a side hustle into a nationally known apparel brand, and now we work with some of the biggest names in Texas. We strive to never stop exploring and continue to draw inspiration from our adventures. So drift and explore or raise a glass. We're always ready to hang out and talk about the things that we love. So come roll with us as we drift and explore. Well, hey, hey, welcome to the Tumbleweed Podcast. I am Brian Weissong, co-founder and co-owner of Tumbleweed Textiles. And today I'm very excited to have a friend, one of the most joyful, inspirational men I've ever met. Um, and I love for him to introduce himself. We got Ernest with us today. Hello, I'm Ernest B. Morgan, Ernest Barbecue and Catering right here in Frisco, Texas. And also pastor of the Empowerment Church Frisco. I'm glad to be here. Man, I appreciate you doing it. You're probably one of the busiest men I know, uh, running a store, uh, restaurant, running uh, a church, being involved in the community. How do you do it? Well, it's quite a challenge at times. It's a joy most of the time because, you know, I'm into people business. So, I mean, I just love engaging people either from the restaurant or from the pulpit. So the way I do it is really just... I look at it as a full calling. You know, yeah. where I was born uh, is to assist God in changing lives through service. So that's what I do. Awesome. Well, I think in our community here in Frisco, everyone knows of you through the cha- Frisco Chamber and, of course, through the barbecue world. You're involved in almost everything. Um, but we have many listeners that are from all around the world, around the, the country. So kind of share your background, because to me it's amazing, like w- kind of where have you come from uh, to even get to where you're at right now that kind of help lay the path or the, the foundation so uh, people kind of understand your, your story. Uh, it's a, a very unique story, uh, Brian. I was born and raised in a small town in Mississippi called Amory, A-M-O-R-Y. Amory, Mississippi, it sits central between Memphis, Tennessee and Birmingham, Alabama. And coincidentally, it's known for the train, the Frisco Railroad, um, Burlington Northern Railroad, that whole train rail, uh, it centers in my city. And as I looked at how I started and where I am now, Frisco, Texas, and Amor, Mississippi, share the same logo. Um, The city park I was raised my whole life is called Frisco City Park. It's amazing. And we got an exhibit in downtown Amory that house um, a train, an engine, and it has a write-up about the Frisco Railroad with the same exact logo as Frisco, Texas used currently on every sign in Frisco. And so that town is about 8,000 people when I was raised there, but now it kind of fell off. It's like 6,800. Wow. And uh, Brian, you know, some people may not know, but Amory was one of the cities that was devastated three weeks ago by the tornado that came through Mississippi that came from Vicksburg, which is South Mississippi. And we up north by Memphis, the tornado came and killed 21 people between Utica and Vicksburg. But up in my city, uh, at least 6% of the town was devastated. um, And most homes were destroyed, apartment complex in different places, but no deaths, nobody died. Uh, my mother-in-law, my wife's mom, she completely lost her home. And mm. my mom lost about 50% of the home. But nobody died, and I'm glad that I was more so in a position to go back and help. Yeah. But I was raised in Amory um, there my whole life. I came to Dallas in 2004. Me and my wife, my wife, Cicely. So I've been married today. I've been with my wife 29 years. Wow. been married 27. Um, she 40. Eight, I'm 46. I told her she robbed the cradle. <laughs> if you listen to me out there, my wife robbed the cradle. I started going with her when I was 17. She was graduating high school. And my son <laughs> is 25, be 26. My daughter's 23, wow. finna be 24. She's a teacher in special ed at Frisco ISD. But she's leaving. She's leaving the school district oh, to go to UNT to further education. So she's been one year. She went two years of college, one year at Frisco uh, UNT, the new campus. Yeah. But she's going to move 
in a dorm with moving an apartment. We took her like four weeks ago. Wow. She got a dorm and then she want to go all the time. She told me last night she want to get a doctor degree. So she kind of having fun. Wow. So she worked with me in, in the barbecue restaurant. And I kind of told her, hey, follow your path. Yeah. Come work for dad. Go to school. And Frisco SD, hate to see her leave. I mean, she's an amazing student. I didn't realize she was in the special ed. Oh, my, yeah. My daughter is in, the, uh, as a 10-year-old, okay. she has special needs. So okay. she's actually in the special ed okay. uh, program. Yeah. Well, my daughter is That's a amazing. special ed teacher at Taylor. Her name is Taylor Elizabeth Morgan. Okay. And she teaches at Taylor Elementary <laughs> awesome. in Frisco. So That's she awesome. went to a job fair two years ago, two and a half. Yeah. And, um... She had four schools in Frisco recruit her, asked her to come teach. Oh. But they followed her from Centennial High, and she started work for Alphabets while she was yeah. you know, after school program and went from Alphabets to um, getting recruited into Frisco ID. Cool. ISD. So she kind of been in that path. So it's been been amazing. But anyway, uh, in from 2004, I came to Bible College in Dallas at Christ for the Nations. Yeah. Stayed in Dallas for three years. Went back to Mississippi in 07. Um me and my wife uh, built a home, did a whole lot of stuff. But anyway, I started barbecuing on the side of the road in Mississippi. <laughs> I started cooking with just a, maybe a 150-gallon um, stick burner, as we call yeah. it, yeah. behind my truck. And no kitchen. So it was a steel lawnmower shop in Amory. Um, and it was a guy named Byron Riddle that owned it. And he would let me pull my pit into his parking lot. No kitchen, no no concession, just a grill and a little small four range I had. Right. And I had a portable sink that I would use to hook up to this engine shop. But I had my health department certificate, had everything out. And at lunchtime, I would only cook four hours because my grill was the cutting <laughs> table, the serving table, yeah. and everything. And I had my, uh, you couldn't, I didn't have no coleslaw or nothing like that. It would just be meat. So if I'm cooking chicken, sausage, ribs, yeah. I would, had a cutting board on my pit because I had an indirect smoker. So the cutting board would be sitting on the grill on one side of it. On the offset on the end, I'm on one side cutting mm-hmm. the meat. And we would have lines at lunch. That's crazy. So lines at lunch just want to eat with me. So my wife worked at an insurance company, and she would come down at lunch and help me make plates on the side of the road. That's awesome. So we went a couple years like that, and finally one day I saw the demand for the barbecue like, man, it's something about this. Especially in Mississippi. Yeah, I'm in Mississippi. Yeah. And by the way, Mississippi major in pork. Oh, well, No beef. Well, I told you this. So, and you're the only person that really knew of this place is uh, my wife and I used to drive. Uh, oh, we drove to Florida and stuff like that. And uh-huh. our stopping spot is uh, Letha's Barbecue. Oh, man. And her pulled pork is fantastic. Wow. And you're the when I mentioned that to you is is crazy because it's like a trailer park behind yes. you know, behind a trailer yes. park. Yes, you won't you won't find it unless yes. you know it's there. Lisa's down at Hattiesburg. Hattiesburg, yep. that's right. That's down in South Mississippi. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, my restaurant was kind of like a type of Lisa's. I'm in North Mississippi, and um, I took after I started seeing uh, the demand for the food. Um, I didn't plan this. It was just kind of like falling a path. Uh, my mom was making this barbecue sauce yeah. that she would let us use to the, put on food when we do fundraisers for the church. And she was like, Ernest, I got this sauce. I don't have a recipe, uh, but it's good, and I'm going to teach you how to taste it. My mom would tell me that. And so anyway, I took a three-bedroom house, kind of like we right here at the podcast, <laughs> Randy's Steakhouse across the road, three-bedroom house, two-bath house. I took that place and we renovated. And the good part about it, it was on a commercial property, but it was in not a high um, district area, but it was a right. great, it was in a great location. Great location right across the road in Amory on a highway called 278. Across the road was Larry Clark Chevrolet. And I was on the other side of the road and people would just, you could pull an 18 wheeler on gravel into my parking lot. Yeah. And I would be out front cooking. And the three bedroom house was. Uh, where I sold the barbecue. Very cool. And we started basically being famous from this little, you could only get eight <laughs> people in the place to eat yeah. in one room. I bought a Subway shop out, all these little small tables, two chairs per table, and I started there. I took the living room area, and I put eight chairs where you wait on the food. I took the dining area, <laughs> and we built a wall with a swing door and the counter. And you wow. would come in and order at the counter, on wood floors, so every time we walked, you could hear the wood throughout the house. <laughs> but it was just that moment 
well, I kind of found my passion was, okay, I'm cooking barbecue and I'm loving people. Yeah. And I just love to see, it always was a, a drilling of fulfillment to me to see people love something that I loved. Yeah. You know, I'm cooking ribs. And by the way, barbecuing is the most competitive thing in the world. Oh, for sure. Because every home, especially in Mississippi, right. I was in a tr- predominantly African-American area. And most African-Americans, at least eight out of 10 <laughs> African-Americans feel they can cook. And everybody got a barbecue pit. Yeah. So in order to have a great base to get support of everybody, you had to really be doing something. But I found out the food was phenomenal, but it was me. I wanted, even then, made everybody feel special. Yeah. I was delivering food way back, you know, 20 years ago, yeah. um, taking people homes, food, even before Uber was even thought about. Yeah. Uber Eats, DoorDash, it was Ernest Dash. Ernest Dash. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, you know, it's uh, you say that because the generosity, the love, the care, uh, I think that's the number one thing when I when I hear your name, you think kind of think of a brand like your brand. T- to me, it's is love, care, generosity. Um, you know, you brought food for my wife and I when we had our, our third child, and you brought enough food for, we were able to eat for a whole week. <laughs> you know, I mean, you brought so much food, and you brought every. I mean, I can't imagine how much that cost you. And you you came in, gave us a hug, left, and, and you could tell you did it joyfully. Yes. Um, and that's one thing, anything I've ever seen you do, Melody of Hope, barbecue, community, is always driven by your love for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, I, one of my t- team members, McKenna, who's on the other side of the camera right now. McKenna! What's up? We got to come in, and, and I got to introduce her to your place. And what she told me was hospitality, service. Like, I've never seen this before. There's something different about it, right? How, as you build your business, you've gotten to where you're at today. How has that service, that love, that joy, people-centered love, right, driven your hospitality and service of how you built your business? So I went, I went from a three-bedroom house until opportunities have always found me to yeah. propel me to the next place. I was in a three-bedroom house. And at that time, Rick Stanberry was coaching at Mississippi State yeah. in Mississippi, Starkville, Mississippi. Starkville from Amory is an hour drive. And this is a college coach at a top university in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Sharon Fanning was the women's basketball coach. They both would drive from Starkville to Amory to eat with me in this little house. Yeah. Uh, at that time, I realized that this is not just normal. Uh, my mom didn't have a lot. My grandmother was a little, small, short uh, <laughs> lady uh, with an eight-grade eight education. Hmm. Uh, but she worked in hospitality at the hospital. Yeah. And so she retired. I'm going to try not to cry. <laughs> I'm going to try not to cry. But she worked in hospitality at the hospital. And she talked. She called me honest. Now, earnest means honest, right? The word it, earnest, its definition is honest. Wow. That's my name means honest, honesty. Uh, she said, Ernest, a good name is rather chosen than silver and gold. She didn't leave me a lot, but she taught me principles about you sow, you reap. What you give out, you get back. Yeah. And serving people will take you anywhere in the world. Not your education. I know a lot of educated people can't get opportunities because they don't have the right personality or the right connect, meaning um, she taught me to smile, just period, regardless of what you're going through. It's more so when you're in public, there's a certain yeah. thing we should do. And one thing changes your day is the way you have a self, uh, the self uh, confidence, the way you feel about yourself, joy, having that, it absorbs. For sure. To If you help change a day, it'll change your life. No doubt. I'm going to say that one more time. If you help change somebody else's day, that alone would change your life because you may not even feel like smiling. But if you smiled and McKenna saw you smile, she could be having a crazy day and your smile could change her day and her smile could change your day. No doubt. Because you did something that changed her. It became addicted to me to see people happy. Even sometimes I didn't feel like smiling because I'm human, right? right? So I'm not a clown. I'm not in the circus. (laughs) Some days I just don't feel like the earnest everybody is talking about. But my grandmother been dead about 12, 14 years. Her voice would always come back. 
about my attitude. Right. And the attitude was the access. I'm going to say that one more time to everybody listening. Attitude is the access. Appreciate it. It's the way you present yourself. No doubt. And what you dish out. Some people said to the universe. Somebody said to the atmosphere. But just the way you put it out, the energy you release is most of the time what you'll get back. So my grandmother taught me that. Didn't have a whole lot she could teach me, but she taught me that and just how to live. So she ended up 30 years retiring from the hospital, Gilmore Memorial Hospital, with an eighth grade education. She never made it past being a housekeeper, <laughs> but her name carried so much weight in our city. She was a missionary, and her name was Missionary Rebecca Morgan. Wow. And she carried so much weight, the respect people gave her, regardless of the job she had in the day, she would just go out of her way to serve people. And so she, when she taught me that, it that that was in that was branded in me yeah. about hospital. How would you serve people? It's more so being in a kitchen. I think the most important person mm-hmm. that's in the restaurant is the dishwasher. Yeah. And I wash dishes often, and I'm the owner of the restaurant. But I never want to lose the way of serving. I don't want to be the type of person that arrived to a place and just 100 percent feel the need to delegate everything when I enjoy it myself. Right. I enjoy being on the team. Everybody work for me, they don't they uncomfortable sometimes because I'm always sweeping the floor, I'm taking out the trash. I kind of never forget how we started, but it also feels good if I got to go out of town a week, I got a guy that I showed how to run the restaurant based on the way I serve, and yeah. that comes from my grandmother. So that's kind of in a nutshell how I started. It's, you're in an industry, <clears throat> especially here in Texas, uh, where it's the barbecue world's a little snobby. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you have to wait in long lines. It, it's very expensive. They try to get you in and get you out because the quicker they get you out, the quicker they fill that seat to make more money. That's to me what makes what you do so different. Is it's about people, and you would. I mean, you, you told me yesterday about how you know, you had a customer that had to wait, and so you brought them out a, l- a little bit of uh, free food so that they're happy, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you care more about the people. And their experience, because you know, in the long run, that's going to pay dividends. And so, uh, one one story that oper- you know, talking about operations, um, you mentioned about the, like the hamburger and mm-hmm. people waiting in line, mm-hmm. and how you like you first come first serve, but you might see okay, let's not make them wait because of the burger. Do you mind sharing that? Because I thought that was just a great story. Because as a COO kind of minded person, yeah. just running operations taking care of your people and training your staff to understand that concept uh, is is really hard. And so, yeah. I'm going to tell you, so you kind of caught me at the right time. So yesterday (laughs) you come to visit with me at the restaurant. You and McKenna came to visit with me, and we all of a sudden get one of the Dallas Stars, one of the Dallas Stars uh, execs um, right here in Frisco, birthday. And he Googled, he wanted barbecue nice some amazing barbecue restaurants in Frisco and no anywhere doubt. around. But he Googled barbecue and we are 5.0 rated restaurant. And so we got, as of today, we like 529 reviews and I got 515 five stars. Oh. So he like, I don't know this place, but I'm going there. So he said, let's go. Well, by this way, he bring 15 in the door at one time and then another five follow. And we get this slamming orders that just kind of yeah. came out of nowhere. The way it worked at our restaurant, because we had Crest, Crest is uh, number one Cadillac store, number one Volvo, number three Infinity store pretty much in the whole world. That's incredible. Okay, but I'm running all the food out of it. And so at Crest, we open at 8 a.m. So we started at breakfast. So we've already been slammed in the morning because we do breakfast, lunch, supper, Monday through Saturday. Wow. So we've already been busy. So we know we pretty much see customers all day long. And we start early, but sometimes you can come in and I may have two or three people sitting in the dining area, but nobody ever see the store in Cadillac. Nobody ever see the store in Infinity. Yeah. We always busy. But this day, my son was kind of not looking for this kind of rush. Yeah. Well, we get 20 orders on the screen and you come to visit with me. I couldn't even visit with you because <laughs> right. I want to help him make sure we don't drop the ball. And we get because I'm kind of like I'm between the owner and still. I work at Ernie's Bees, right? So I worked there. So I wasn't able to visit Jewel McKenna, but I was able to, I come to the table every two, three minutes. Well, I looked at the screen, and because I started Ernie's Bees with no help, even my wife would only come 
every now and then it helped me on side the road when she get a break at her job. But I started this when I had to manage hundreds of people on hours at a time by myself. And I had to use my personality to compensate for the weight. So I would be at the grill. I know I'm behind, but I'm smiling. I'm making jokes. I'm talking. I'm trying to walk them through this waiting process. I look at the screen yesterday and we got a point of sale system and we had 20 orders at one time on the screen. But in the mix of the big orders, two, three meat plates. I want a brisket plate, but I want a, I want a three meat plate. I want brisket, sausage, and chicken. We had several orders like that. Or we got 10 barbecue nachos. I want 10. We got 10 salad. Make a scenario. <laughs> we got all these mixed orders. But there I seen some as simple as a hamburger. Right. And it was like number eight. It was number eight or nine. And so with so many orders in front. Now, my staff saw the order numbers. One, order one. It came in five minutes ago. Order two came in 10 minutes ago. They trying to, they overwhelmed, yet they didn't see the simplest thing we had to free up the screen and a customer waiting was a hamburger. Right. So this is what I say. I I told my son, and I said, listen, let's make the burger. Put the burger on the flat top because the burger can be cooking while you're making the big orders. Don't let the burger get lost with the big orders no doubt. because the guy that's waiting on a burger, he don't see the screen. Mm-hmm. All he see is the burger. I ordered a hamburger. Why is it taking so long? He don't see it's 10 two meat plates or 10 three meat plates. He don't see he came in number 22nd. <clears throat> Yet I'm the owner and I built the business based on being aware of small stuff. Yeah, for sure. I said, just throw the burger on the grill because it's going to take 10 minutes. You'll be able to make two or three big orders before the burger is done because he wanted it well done. I got a short rib burger. The burger's a short rib burger. It's a real high-quality hamburger. Right. It don't cook fast. If you throw the burger on the grill, you still got to toast the bun because I toast every bun. We toast all Texas toast. We literally put yeah. butter, you know, butter. We toast on a flat top. Yeah. You got time to make the burger and steal. Because the burger, you cook it, you flip it. You cook it because you want it well done. Mm-hmm. You could have made two or three orders. When I pointed that out, don't make somebody wait on something simple. Yeah. And my son said, I didn't even realize, Dad, what you were saying. I said, no, because I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time, and I understand every little detail counts. Yeah. I'm trying to teach you to see what I see. I like my mama taught me to taste what she tastes. I told you she said, I don't have a recipe for the sauce, but I'm going to teach you how to taste yeah. it. So this is wisdom handed to me. You, my son, I'm 20-plus years in this. You come up in it, but not in the role, because my son the manager now. He manages okay. Ernest B's now, which give me the opportunity to be here on this podcast, to be on my food truck to take the sauce and distribute it or try to yeah. market it. My son basically took my hat and he wearing my hat. But it's certain details I'm trying to grow him into. Right. Key stuff that he need to be aware of as he training people himself. Mm-hmm. I told a guy, another thing I was going to tell you, I told a chef that I hired a guy to work for me. And I says, okay, when you get here in the morning, we normally get a Cisco truck Monday, Monday morning between 530, 630. Cisco going to be here every Monday every Wednesday. I said, so I've been doing this long enough. My grills are amazing, but they man-made. Right. Meaning, don't trust the time. If you start early enough, if you run into a jam, you'll still be able to bring the meat in before it's time to open. Right. I said, so every morning, if it's 20 cases of ribs on the floor, 20 cases of briskets, 20 cases of chicken, don't touch no inventory until you get the meat on the grill. Yeah. Then put the inventory up. Because once the meat on the grill, because we cook on rotisserie right. and we cook on indirect smokers, old hickory pits, they cook themselves. You manage it, but it's not like a stick burner where you got to man it and you flipping the meat. It pretty much cooks itself with a great management. But you got to understand it's made by man. But if you start early enough, yeah. if anything should come up, you run out of propane, you run out of wood, it tripped the switch. Stuff that I learned when nobody taught me, I'm teaching you as my pit master. What you need to do is be on time. If you start early enough, if anything should happen, 
You because st- I I need to meet by eleven. Right. You need to be on six. It don't take that <laughs> long. But if you put it on early enough, you still gonna have enough time to fix anything that could potentially happen Love and it. still bring it in on time. He was like, I didn't see it like that. I said, I know you didn't see it like that because I started cooking on a small grill on a hot <laughs> water tank. And I learned the hard way. And when I got to the level that I'm at now, I wanted to be able to tell somebody, listen, I don't care if I go to New York for a year. Never use your process. Always use my process because my process is proven over time. No doubt. You just honest. You just seeing what's yeah. now. I've proved it and I know what to do. Man, that's amazing. Uh, and I'm glad. I, I did not. I didn't. I could have paid for that information. That's good. That's good because like people, people see you as Ernest, yeah. uh, as as this man of faith and this community guy. They don't realize there's a whole craft side to what you're doing. It's way harder than being nice to people, it, and management's hard. Yes, leading people is very hard. It's the hardest part of my job. Yes. And not only are you wearing the hat of of influencer, the face of the company, now your coach, your mentor. And uh, a kind of quick tidbit of encouragement or advice to other, not pit masters, but just people leading people. Like, yeah. Do you have any like quick tidbits of inf- uh, like, advice to give to those leading yeah. people? Well, people don't want to know what you know. They want to know how much you care. When yes. you're in the people business, regardless, your doctor, lawyer, dentist, uh, anytime a preacher, a pit master, anything yeah. you do involving people, you realize your most important uh, thing in your career is the people you serve, whether they're wearing tumbleweed textile hat or they're wearing Ernest B's barbecue shirt yeah. or they're they drinking Finca coffee. It doesn't matter. The people is the most important thing because people keep you in business. Without yes. no people, you don't have no business. Right. Uh, they always said at the car lot, it don't nothing happen to the sale. So really, in the car business, everything gets a job once the car is sold. The car is sold, first thing happens. Mm-hmm. The salesmen get paid. The person that wrote the deal up get paid. The finance get paid. The deal go to car wash. The car wash get paid. It go to service. They PDI the car. They put all the, you know, everything in it. They get paid. Everybody, but don't nothing happen to that mm-hmm. car get sold. So the most important thing is the salesman. Right. But the owner of the company never makes his money until the sale is done, until that car is moved. He the last person that get his money. and But the first person is the salesperson. So the person that's representing the company is so important because right. the person that's representing the company is what engages everything, right? Yes. And so the caring, you got to care. If you pass 20 restaurants to come to eat barbecue in Frisco, you pass coming from Arlington, to coming to Fort Worth, coming from Dallas. For sure. You got choices. You chose to come to me. I owe it to you to smile. I owe it to you to provide a great service. Yeah. And so I don't understand people in the barbecue business with the waiting game. And they, they some people are high over who love their barbecue. Let me tell you something. You can be up today and down tomorrow so fast because it's trends. Who's famous today may not be famous tomorrow. Oh, yeah. The world is changing so now. The old school way, don't nothing change in terms of the, the fundamentals, they stay the same, but you have to mature with the time. And, and I just think we're in a world now where you really got to represent your brand well and brand it well. And oh, you for do sure. that through the last impression of Ernest B's, it should have been the welcoming and the ending. Yes. I should have welcomed you with a good vibe and you should have felt good about being there and asking, when are we going back? Oh, for sure. And that's just based on how I see it. So I just think people don't want to know what you know. They want to know how much you care. Yeah. Did you take the time to come greet them? Yeah. Yeah, I understand you own the place. I understand that too. Yeah. Right? I got $120,000 in two uh, barbecue pits, $80,000 food truck, $40,000 pit. Right. I started cooking on a $200 grill. Yeah. Only thing changed was the capacity I can hold in the pit, yeah. but the recipe never changed. No doubt. And if you can't cook on something small, something big will take you out. Yeah. It's a quote. It was a people. People don't remember what you say; they remember how you make them feel. Yes. You know, and that's something I've reminded our team is it's the service, the hospitality is in our marketing and our social media, every aspect, the brand, your identity. You want to make sure people walk away feeling really good about themselves mm-hmm. because they're. Even if our let's say we our product has a flaw like our t-shirts, right? People, if we make it right, 
and we make them feel good about it and we own the pr- issue, they're going to want to come back. They're going to want to give us a five-star review on, on Google, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, community. So we talked a little bit about faith. We've talked a little bit about barbecue. Um, one of the things I think has helped you in success is you're involved at community. Uh, you told a, told a wonderful story yesterday about Chamber of Commerce, how you're the first one to get involved. But how has your involvement in probably years of being involved in it, not paying back, finally paying back for your business? When I started at Crest was in 2015. In 2016, we moved to Frisco. Yeah, I told the spill how Crest sent me out into Frisco Chamber to drama up business because no other salespeople wanted to get up at 7 a.m. Yeah. Uh, my why was I need to eat. I yeah. need to eat. I got a wife. I got kids. Mm-hmm. I got to be intentional about building um, a life in an environment that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I went out in Frisco, and the Lord blessed me in ways I made great relationships. Well, I started my church from the customers that bought cars from me at Crest in 2016. That's incredible. And by the way, uh, our ministry is, I'm like a speck in Frisco compared to the size of majority of the churches. So I, I, I had to get away from having thousands of people right now mm-hmm. until just doing great things. Yeah. I didn't want to be more so caught up in if, if I don't I don't want to be unfulfilled if I didn't had, you know, thousands of people in my ministry. So what I done, I just want to be involved. And if I can do anything to help Frisco move, uh, help Frisco go forward. I felt my call go back to calling. I felt the calling to Frisco was God placed me here for some uh, that wasn't here. Yeah. Uh, something wasn't here. He brought me to help complete something, For sure. not to compete. Everybody around me that's close to me, I try not to have people compete with me. I try to have people to bring on the team that's stronger where I'm weak. Because right. I'm not strong in everything. I do some things well, but it's a lot of stuff I don't do well. So I put the people around me that's for what I'm doing and got yeah. this. We share the same values. We share the same belief systems. Yeah. We go in the same direction. It just depends on what we need to happen. I started the church 2016. We opened up in Frisco in the Mar- I mean, opened up in the shops of legacy in the Marriott. And we went from there. And I, I, I often say I'm like a traveling band. Mm-hmm. Of, um, we just been like trying to find a building. We still haven't found a permanent home. But the church been existing for seven years, and I'm still trying to fulfill my call and not be in competition. That make any sense? Oh, for sure. Uh, not not feel like I'm not doing something great because I don't have a physical location yet. Oh yeah. Uh, but God haven't failed me yet. He's proven <laughs> that He's gonna do some at some time. Yeah. But what I did, I started getting involved. I got involved Rotary Club. I'm involved mm-hmm. in Frisco Rotary Heavy. I've been in Rotarian for. Been to be four years now. Um, I was an ambassador of Frisco Chamber forever and ever. Um, I sit on board of directs with you, yeah. Melody Hope Mo. Melody That's right. Hope. We sit on the board together. Um, I've, you know, of course, I pastor the church, and then I'm just involved with. I'm advisory board. Angelia Pelham, um, council. Yeah. I help Mayor Jeff Cheney, current mayor now. I'm on one of his advisories. Mm-hmm. Um, I sit. I do most of the invocations at City Hall on Tuesday night. They'll call me. I opened up so many different places in Frisco. I did the opening prayer of the gala, by the way, the 2022 gala uh, in the convention center after COVID, two, the first two years of council, 20 and 21 was council. Uh, I went to do an invocation at the mm-hmm. uh, gala for the city of Frisco. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, yep. and they gave me Citizen of the Year That's right. in 2022. I was able to of, see that. You've seen that? All of, how do you get F- Citizen of the Year in Frisco? Where they say, I did a lot of bridge building. I did a lot of stuff like in 20, which is very important, is when, when George Floyd died right in the middle of COVID, we all watched across the world. We was heartbroken of what happened. Um, while I'm African-American in Frisco, Frisco is less than 20% <laughs> African-American. I'm watching a protest on El Dorado. I'm at my house. I get a phone call, and it says, are you coming to the protest? And I said, no, I feel the need to pray. I've been protesting all my life. I'm from Mississippi. That's the word I told a person on the phone. Um, I went, and I watched the mayor of Frisco, 
um, and the chief of police lead this peaceful protest. Yeah. I'm looking at the live screen. I've never seen that many African-Americans in my life. <laughs> I don't know if everybody there black was from Frisco, <laughs> but I did see more people I've ever seen in my life that were African-Americans. And while I'm watching the protest, I feel and I hear a voice say, feed the police. At the same time, I'm watching the protest. My wife is laying in the bed, and I said, Cicely, I feel the Lord want me to feed the police. She said, huh? I said, <laughs> I know, huh? But this is a moment that I could do something, obey God, spare the city, because at the same time, they was riding in Dallas, right down the road, oh, yeah. 30 miles south, they was rioting, and it could have easily happened in Frisco. For sure. But I heard the voice of God say, bring people together. So here we go. My church is not big, but the moment that God speaks, I could do something yeah. that will have an impact. Well, I didn't know somebody was watching that. What I've done wasn't popular based on where I come from. Some white folks didn't see it. Black folks didn't see it. People in my church didn't see it. People in Mississippi didn't see it. But I heard it. It don't matter how you feel. When it's the right thing to do, yeah. the right thing don't always feel good. People don't believe that. But doing the right thing sometimes don't always feel good. Yet you got to have enough maturity to override your feelings and just do the right thing. The right thing is yes, just do the right thing. I did that, and all of a sudden now when you Google Ernest Morgan, <laughs> it says first thing comes up, not Ernest Barbecue. Not the Empowerment Church. The first thing on Google, when you Google my name, it says, Meet Frisco Citizen of the Year. That came out of somebody noticed that I'd done something significant enough that could have, that spared the city yeah. and brought people closer. And it's just little stuff like that. Uh, you don't do good for somebody to watch you. I think greatest character is when nobody see you. Yeah. Yet you make great decisions yeah. behind the scenes. No doubt. And so I always tell my wife, I don't want to be a, a public success and a private failure. I don't <laughs> want to make the crowd smile and I'm I'm sad at home. So I always made sure the Bible says, now I'm going to preach now, charity <laughs> started at home and it spreads abroad. So everything I do in Frisco is a result of my marriage, is a result of my relationship with, my, with the Lord, yeah. it's a result of how I love my kids. So everything I do in public, I do it home first. I've been that way 30 years. Right. And so I try to just make sure my house is good, my wife is good, my kids is good. Yeah. And then I just try to, once I got home right, because my biggest ministry is not my church. It's my house. It's not my, it's not the empowerment church. My first ministry is my wife and kids. That's the truth. Your greatest <laughs> ministry, what testament is for my son to say, my dad lived this way, not just in front of people. My my daughter could say, my dad lived like this, not just here. Guys, yeah. this the same dude yeah. that I see. I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning. My son get up out of the bed. Hey, Dad. I'm like, what's up, Tyler? What's going on, Dad? It's 6 o'clock. Well, this is me. Yeah. When I hit the floor, I'm ready. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, and that's an issue, you know. Like <laughs> when, when you're as busy as you are, mm -hmm. and I, I'm bl I'm to blame for this. I mean, I'm guilty of this. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, the first thing you uh, avoid—not avoid on purpose—but like, you give your time to your business and yeah. to the community and to your church. Yes. And you tend to neglect your family. Yeah. And so it's good to hear a man that's having the success that you're having, as involved as you are, you're still finding time to make sure you put your family first. Yep. That's impressive. Yep. Now, you mentioned Mississippi. Yes. Pork. Yes. Pulled pork. Yes. But there's a pretty cool story. You're, you're at a parking lot, or you're in a, a car dealership. Uh, I think our, our friend Daniel uh, Vaughn from Texas Monthly said you're the, what, forget gas station barbecue? Yeah. yeah. Try the, the best uh, barbecue in a car. Correct. <laughs> car Even the most um, skeptic yeah. will be overwhelmed by what we serve it. So there, there's probably the coolest story I might have ever heard is about the sign that you found. <laughs> and it, you talk about purpose. Yes. I don't know if there could be a bigger confirmation of your purpose right here in Frisco with what you're doing than the sign that didn't say Mississippi barbecue. It said Texas style ribs. Mm -hmm. Tell us a story about how did you find the sign and how did it make its way here to Frisco? So when I was in Dallas in Bible College in 04, I was going to Christ for the nation, but I interned at a car lot in Duncanville. Hmm. 
on Camp Wisdom Road. It, at the time, it was Duncanville Ford. It was Redbird Ford. Then it went to Duncanville Ford, <laughs> and now it's like a Jeep place. But at the time, I worked for this guy in Duncanville named Duncan Maffell. Duncan Maffell. Duncan Maffell was the general. He was a sales manager at the car lot at Duncanville. So he liked it me. So he says, you know, I'll let you go to class from 8 to 12. Just come to work at 12 to 8 at night. And so I would go to Christ for the Nations in the morning. We lived on campus. I would get up, go to school, and then I'd go to the car lot to 8 at night. My wife didn't work. Uh, she stayed and kept the kids. They were much smaller at the time, and I sold cars. Well, I stayed with Duncan from 2004 to 07. When I go back to Mississippi, I take a church. Well, at the time when I first went back, I just was working for Ford, and Ford in Mississippi, I had three years of job time, and I was trying to buy a house. So I stayed in the car business so I have the job time because passing the church, I didn't have the, the records in the same field. So I transferred to a car lot, and we start get the bank, giving me the money I needed, and we was building the house. Well, while I'm at the car lot, the place called Clark Ford. So Larry Clark Ford was in front of the restaurant that I started. <laughs> but Clark Ford was – so Larry Clark was Chevrolet. Clark Ford was his son. It was a Ford store on the other side of Amor, Mississippi. Yeah. Well, at Clark Ford, they was getting ready to bring a Highway 25 through this field in Amory. Well, he had a building that they was going to, the highway was going to tear down, which was his paint and body shop. Hmm. Well, it was a used car sign that they started tearing the building down. The sign was laying on the ground. Well, I worked at Clark Ford. <laughs> yeah. So I drove around by the mechanics one day. I said, hey, what about this sign that's in the trash? They said, oh, we don't want it. You can have it. It's nothing but a sign. I said, well, I'm getting ready to start a barbecue place. We don't have no money, no bank giving no money. I don't have nothing, but I'm going to just use whatever I got. So I took the sign, and I took it out the trash, took it to the paint shop, and there's a guy named Mike. <laughs> Mike was there, just a great guy. Mike painted the sign for me, and then I found a company in Tupelo, Mississippi, that stick these stickers on the sign. And the way it read was, and I'm a marketing guy, not by uh, – degree i just got a way i see stuff no doubt even back in the day i could just see how i could make a tumbleweed hat <laughs> with a star look good on an ernest b shirt right i could see how i could literally wear this tumbleweed hat anywhere like i always do people always talk about my texas themed hats well, i appreciate that. i could see that back then mm -hmm. So I spent just a little time in Texas, and Texas boasted about barbecue, but I personally knew this wasn't no Texas barbecue, but I'm going to ride the name Texas, but I couldn't. <laughs> Mississippi proud of their uh, barbecue. Right. So I found a way where I could take Texas and Mississippi put on the same sign. So we named the barbecue place Ernest B. Barbecue. I took a chuck wagon because a lady in finance named Carol Smith, <laughs> she recommended the old-timey chuck wagon. You ought to use the old-timey chuck wagon as your theme. Here we go. I throw the chuck wagon on there, and then this guy named Chris says, you ought to call it. He was a guy working with me. That's <laughs> how he said it. You ought to call it Ernest Beef Barbecue, Mississippi Finest, home of the textile ribs. And he started laughing. He didn't mean it. He just laughed. But something it stuck with me. <laughs> it, it's like it just Something just resonated with me. And I'm like, oh my, that's it. I'm gonna call it that. So when we did it, we drew up the company and I had the you know Secretary of State draft the name in. I drafted that whole thing in 20, you know, 2008. I drafted that in. I was cooking five years before that. It's amazing. But I drafted that in in 08 when we drew the paperwork for the company. Ernest B. Barbecue, Mississippi Finest Barbecue. Yeah. Home of the Texas style ribs. And I put this in a three bedroom house. Long story short, hotel opened in our city. Hotel owner come, a brand new hotel opened up in Amory. The owners asked me, did I want to expand and take it from the house to the hotel? So I expanded from the house, crossed the road in a brand new hotel. I put Ernest B's in there and we kind of went from there. So end up in Tupelo, Mississippi on Troy Street, down from Elvis Presley, birthplace, I had a restaurant called Ernest Barbecue Home of the Textile, and I had 21 full-time employees there. That was in 2013, and we just kept going. I had five locations in Mississippi. Wow. We grew from the house. But Mississippi basically was a great training ground, but it just limited me in a lot of ways, and I think God had more for me. Now I see what I'm doing now. Yeah. Mississippi was the greatest 
teaching area that made me value the opportunity for Frisco. And so when I designed got away over 808, we don't even know that hmm. the sign even exists. We kept growing. It was just a sign. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was in storage and my daughter thought we didn't know how what happened. Let's fast forward. Three weeks ago, the first of April, a guy from Tupelo hadn't saw me in ten years. He inboxed me. Ernest B, I'm watching you, man. I see you on Facebook. We come into the Rangers game, me and my wife. The guy name is Jeremy Martin. Jeremy Martin and his wife was great friends of mine. They started eating in the house with me. Hmm. He worked for the Secretary of State in Mississippi, and he just was always a great friend. He would come by the restaurant and see me. He said, we come into Dallas, but we will not come to Dallas and not <laughs> come by and find you. We're going to Arlington. We're going to make a pit stop to Frisco. So you walk in Crest. We walk in the dealership now, and he see what I'm doing. So his mind is messed up because he saw where we started. He saw us in Tupelo. For sure. This 20 levels from where he saw me last. And I kind of went off the grid, meaning when I got to Dallas, I've been in Dallas eight years. I haven't been back to Mississippi 12 times. Well, now it's 14 because I've been back twice with the um, with the um, the tornado. And so what I end up doing, um, he says, let's take pictures. I'm going to go to the Rangers game, and we're going to take your shirt. So they go to the Rangers game. They put our Ernest B shirts on. But while he was there, we took a couple pictures. I sat down and ate with him. He took pictures of the Citizen of the Year, the Texas Monthly ad. That's cool. He go back to Mississippi a week later, and he posts a collage of his weekend. Well, in his collage was all the pictures with me and him. And he started talking about he visited Ernest B's. Mississippi, he's doing it on a whole nother level, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> well, in this post, there's a gentleman named Tim Long says, I don't know where I found this, but I've been had this sign for years. And he posted a picture of my Mississippi <laughs> Texas theme sign, my original Carlisle sign. And by this time, I was already in Mississippi because my mom and them had been in the tornado. And I was in Tupelo. And I saw the post because they tagged me into the post. And when I seen the sign, I haven't saw this sign since I started. Yeah. And it was something about the sign that I could remember all the struggle and all we had been through to start the business. And I inboxed this gentleman. I don't even know him. And he went there and he called me and we talked and he told me what he paid for the sign. He couldn't believe he was selling it to me because it's collectible (laughs) now. And he sold it to me for what he paid for it. And he gave me back the original sign. And when I touched that sign, when I, when I put my hands on that sign, I didn't realize that my whole life, my professional career had flashed before me mm-hmm. and all of what that sign represented it. The sign was the beginning. I brought that sign back to Frisco and it's in my restaurant now. And it, in the restaurant from the day we opened it, it was home of the Texas style ribs. Yeah. And now I got the original sign with the original phrase in the restaurant. Now it was all because of a post. Yeah. It was all because of relationship. It was all because of destiny. It was part of my path, and it gave me credibility, even with the people who work for me now. I talk about my struggle and how I started Ernest B's, but you really don't have, you can't really, people say everything is out. It's very oh, few yeah. people you can really, people just make up stuff. Oh, yeah. I brought that sign in, and then I bought the picture of Rick Stanton, because when I went to mom's house, I'm going to say this, and I know we got to go. I went to mom's house. She was having me take down all the pictures because her living room was destroyed. So all the pictures she had of us growing up was there. Yeah. And I was putting them in these plastic containers that when the contractors come in, they'll fix the house and we'll put them back up at some point. Yeah. Well, in this house, in mom's house on the bottom shelf, was this picture of us <laughs> in the house with Rick Stanberry and the background was the sign. The sign. So the sign and the time <clears throat> and even on the sign, my little girl, which is a teacher in Frisco now, right. was a little girl about seven years old standing in the background. My son is the manager now. He was like 11 years old and it showed the timeline. You could track how long I oh, yeah. cook it. I know you're honest, Ernest, right? But when you told me that story the, uh, a week ago or a few days ago, like, it's hard to believe. And then I saw that picture yesterday. I was like, unbelievable. Because it's a used car sign, <coughs> Texas-style ribs, mm-hmm. and now you're in a car dealership in selling truly <laughs> Texas-style ribs. It's amazing, full circle. 
full circle. So, man, this has been amazing. Um, but I, I know we're about time up, but I want to make sure I give you an opportunity to speak what's coming ahead. Is there anything you want to share of some, 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 we've talked about where you've come from, where you are, anything coming up that you'd want to kind of, uh, we got, we got three things we've done. I made my mom a promise 20 years ago when yeah. she was showing me about the sauce that I would put it in a bottle. Yeah. Just last week, the manufacturer finished my first original sauce, uh, Ernest B's uh, Mama Sweet Heat. I named after my mom, uh, Mama Sweet Heat. Uh, that's my original uh, sauce. Yeah. And then I created a sauce in COVID in 20 called Mississippi Vinegar. It's sweet, hot, and vinegar all for salads but sounds amazing i just had some guests at the restaurant at lunch i pulled the vinegar sauce on ribs it's crazy on pork it's, it's just making some stuff happen yeah so i released the sauce we gonna get together and do a big release party coming up soon that's the first thing then i just uh been able to come into a, a deal with a small knit group with the cowboys right here in frisco uh we're gonna have our first cowboy social at my restaurant on a uh, day in May. Uh, that's gonna be something huge because I'll be able to, we'll have, you know, people from the Cowboys organization gonna be at Ernest B's yeah. for a night. Uh, that's an amazing door for me, yeah. humbling. But then one of the greatest things too is Senior A PGA. I've been a caterer for PGA in the Frisco location, just bringing food throughout the course being built and I've been at the main clubhouse several times. I would just drop off food. I've had the food truck there, but I got a call from the senior aid tour and says, because you know we're a 5.0 restaurant and they did searches throughout Dallas, yeah. I came up one of the top chefs in all of Dallas. And because of the ratings, because of you know what we do in the community, and then my name, they gave me an opportunity to cook with it's seven chefs total, four uh, professional um, celebrity chefs, yeah. and then three local chefs right here in Frisco. We're gonna all teach from a senior aid kitchen on the fairway next month. It's amazing. In Frisco, in front of a class. So it'll be people sit in my class, a demonstration, and they want me to talk about Ernest B's. They want me to show them how I do my process. Yeah. Again, go back to this sign. Even back in that house, on side the highway was prepping me for a moment like this. And this yeah. really changed. This a, is this a game changer, too, in my barbecue career to get to PGA first-time national headquarters in oh, Frisco yeah. and the first professional match. And I'm actually being center stage. That's amazing. So those are some of the smaller things that's going. And then at some point, Tom O'Weed and Ernest so. B's real soon going to team up and do a release party of the sauce and some of the things we're going to come together and collab on. So yeah. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. I I'm love excited. it. I'm excited. Well, for those listening, if you are anywhere near Frisco area, you have to travel up 121 North Tollway, 75, find your way here and go check out Ernest B's Barbecue over at the uh, Crest Infinity. Yeah, Crest Infinity. Listen, do not be thrown by the directions. Yes, it's inside of Crest, 6100 <laughs> State Highway 121 in Frisco, yeah. 75034. You can look me up also, ErnestBBQCatering.com, and it'll kind of give you more info about that. Yeah, and so follow him. If you can, give him a five-star review because that, that is – in, when you're in the business world, yes. there's no greater thing that can happen besides spending money at our business is giving us raving reviews Yes, um, because we're in the people business and the only way people find out about us is through people like hopefully y'all that can share and tell people our stories. So, um, but Ernest, thank you for joining us. Oh man, thank you, Brian. Uh, it's Amazing. been an honor. Amazing. You're, you truly are one of the greatest men I know and I've ever met. It's been an encouragement. Just right here, I've learned so much getting to hear you talk. Thank you. So thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you all.